friends. We're so thrilled that you're here. Welcome to a Safe Place Podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Laura. We are two besties who love to encourage and walk with each other through our everyday hardships. In those difficult times, we've grown closer to God and each other. Is your friend circle a healthy place? Do you struggle with boundaries and relationships? Are you longing for relational tools, truth, and a few good laughs? This is a safe place to land. Our goal is not that you leave our episodes knowing more about us, but that you receive biblical advice, feel seen, and learn God's heart for you. Hello, friends. Hi. Oh my gosh, we're back. It's a miracle. (laughs) I know. It truly does feel... It is a true miracle, honestly. Yeah, it was. It feels like we're just fighting to be here. Agreed. (laughs) Um, This is our third episode. I actually thought it was the second, but it's the third. (laughs) Um, So that's fun. It's because we have a bonus episode. So I wasn't really counting that because it's kind of a shorter one. But by the time this episode gets put up, our bonus episode will be up as well. So we're really excited about that one because it's all about rest. If you listened to it, if you didn't listen to our bonus episode, go back and listen to our bonus episode because it is so worth it to listen to. Fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so today we're going to be talking about hardship and it's kind of a difficult topic to speak on because, you know, everybody goes through hardship. It's inevitable if you are a human. So whether you're a Christian, whether you're a non-Christian, everyone goes through hardship. Um, we lose loved ones. We can get sick. Like there's so many different hardships that everyone on earth experiences. So we felt like this was a topic that definitely needed to to be touched on. So we're just going to dive right in with some personal stories. Um, Ooh, it's a hard one. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I agree. It is definitely hard. Yeah. So when Taylor and I were talking about stories for hardship, um, the, the biggest and most recent hardship that comes to my mind for my life is my divorce. Um, it was very devastating and difficult because finding out that someone didn't love me and didn't want to choose me was a huge attack on like my self-worth. And, Before I was even a Christian, I really struggled with my self-worth. I placed it in friends and what people thought of me. And I was basically just always chasing um, everybody's affirmation or their acceptance of me. So um, that was just really hard and kind of like reminded me of old, old days before I basically gave my life to Christ. Um, so that was very difficult. Um, it made me feel really foolish, really dumb to believe that, um, something that I believed was true was actually a lie. Um, it was very embarrassing, especially because, um, 
my um, ex started to express he wanted a divorce right after we had our big wedding. So we were a 2020 wedding couple. Um, we had our wedding, like officially signing papers in 2020 um, with just family there. And then one year later, we had the big wedding. So at, after the big wedding, he kind of expressed that he didn't want to be together anymore. So that was very embar embarrassing because we had just had this giant wedding and my, my family helped pay for it. Um, so it was very, very hard. Um, another thing that was very hard is my divorce felt like my fault like I wasn't enough and made me feel very like tainted as a Christian or like ashamed because even though it wasn't my choice, I just felt horrible. Um, if you know me personally, you know that my parents are divorced and I grew up in a broken home. Um, my dad met my stepmom and they got married when I was like seven, um, but my parents got a divorce when I was like three. So... I lived with my dad and then he got married to my stepmom and then they had kids and all that stuff. Um, and I'm very, very thankful for her. And however, um, it was very hard growing up cause I wanted to see my mom more than just every other weekend. So I remember every Sunday night she would drop me off and, um, or ev yeah, every other Sunday night she would drop me off and, I would just hug her on the front porch and just say, like, I'm not going to make the same mistake. Like, I was basically just telling her, like, I'm never going to um, get a divorce. And even though, like, we, I didn't have kids with my ex, I'm so beyond thankful that we didn't have kids. Um but I didn't want to put anybody in that situation. And I know that my parents didn't do it on purpose. You know, things happen. But um, I just was very passionate about not doing that. Um, so immediately after the divorce stuff, I felt like no Christian guy would want to be with me ever again, um, which was very dramatic. <laughs> Um, but that's just how it felt, um, cause it's so taboo in the church. Um, so my fear of abandonment issues were rearing its very ugly head and it was difficult during that time, but God, he got me through, um, the whole season. And let me tell you, it was a long season to get through, um, Something that helped me was spending time in God's word, specifically the book of Job. Um, I found a lot of peace in the book of Job and it just really put it in perspective. Um, playing worship music was also very helpful, especially because when you go from living with somebody to being alone, it's, it's very quiet. So um, I remember after he moved out, I was sleeping on my bedroom floor on my air mattress with my cats and I played worship music on my phone all night long because I was just like terrified 
of it being quiet. And I was like almost terrified of God's presence, like leaving me. It was, and not, not like if I stopped playing worship music, his presence would leave me, but I just like was terrified of it being quiet and terrified of not feeling his presence the whole night. So Mm. I did that for many, many, many nights. Um, and I'm very thankful for my cats as well for being emotional supports. But, um, I also allowed myself to cry when I felt like it. My close friends and family, um, are healthy for me and people in my inner circle are healthy. And so they let me cry whenever I needed to. Um, and that's another thing is I was blessed to have close friends and family. Um, it was very difficult because after the big wedding, um, before it was announced that we were getting a divorce, I had a lot of people coming up to me asking me how married life was and, um, blah, blah, blah. But of course they didn't know. So I don't blame them, but it was very, very hard because I would start crying on the spot quite literally. Like we went to the jewelry store because my diamond fell out of my ring. And so I had to go take it and then I had to go pick it up and I brought Taylor with me. Um, and I remember, um, the woman that works at the jewelry store was my old neighbor. So she asked me how married life was going and I literally started crying on the spot. It was so, ah, just a lot. It was just a lot. It's triggering for you. Super triggering. Oh my gosh. And not even to mention all of the triggering, um, things that I would see on social media, Um, just wanting somebody to love me like so-and-so loves so-and-so and and blah, blah, blah. Like social media, um, certain friends, I have certain friends that have really healthy marriages and I was very triggered by that. And, um, I wouldn't say jealous, but I was just like, that really hurts because obviously I had somebody that didn't want to choose me. So seeing that was really hard. But, um, yeah, so I spent that time leaning into God, into my close friends and family. I had to wait over a year after he moved out for my ex to decide if he wanted to sign papers or not. So for over a year, we were living in limbo, going back and forth emotionally, um, wanting it to be over compared to wanting to please God and keep my vows. Um, one week I would have faith after having a really productive conversation with my ex. And then the next, um, I just wanted to give up. And, um, I literally prayed asking God that, that he would give up on me so I could just move on with my life. Um, and it wasn't until this recent season in my life that I didn't realize how unhealthy of a relationship that was. Um, even when we were together, it just was not healthy for either of us. So in the end, I'm thankful that, um, it played out as it did. And quite honestly, I just am so, so thankful that God saved me from a mess that I kind of put myself in because it was my choice to be in a relationship with this person. So it really does feel like he saved me from a mess Um, Mm. and yeah, in the end, 
that's what happened. It took a long time, but God was so good and so faithful to me and he never left me by my side. And, um, I lost friends and I gained friends and it was a big time in my life where I realized how important community is. So yeah, that's one of the most recent, most difficult hardships of my whole life. (laughs) Yeah, it's a very sad but beautiful story in Mm -hmm. the end because, you know, God took something that seemed so traumatic and so heavy and turned it into something beautiful, mm-hmm. you know? Even though divorce is not a beautiful thing, you know, you were able to get out of something that God saw that was not healthy for you, mm-hmm. and he showed you someone else, and now you're in a better season of life, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely believe in the redeeming power of Christ in relationships, um, and unfortunately, the other person just didn't want to do that, so say okay with me. Sayonara. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but yes, like Taylor said, I am in the most healthy relationship I've ever been in now. And I'm very content. Um, I, yeah, it's just, it's great to be on the other side of this hardship. (laughs) Um, and Taylor was with me through it all, which the timing of her coming into my life couldn't have even couldn't have been more perfect. Um, cause we started being friends, um, like right before we got married. Um, so she really got to see the full, the full hardship story in all. Yeah. yeah. It was very sad very sad going into it. I had no idea what was going on, but as it unfolded, I was just like, Oh Jesus. Like I just felt so sad for you, Mm -hmm. but I knew that I was just going to keep encouraging you and pointing you to Jesus and through it all. Like I know it wasn't necessarily me, but he used me as a vessel to be, um, you know, uplifting towards you Mm -hmm. and, letting you cry on my shoulder when you needed to Mm -hmm. and venting and, but then always pointing you back to the Lord, Mm -hmm. you know? And I feel like there were so many times where I sat and had conversation with you and I thought I have no perfect word to tell her, but the Lord always gave me the things that I needed to say to you. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Like, I know this was not me. This was totally Jesus. And of course, you know, you always say I make you cry, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, we we definitely had a lot of those moments. Okay, so that was Laura's story, and now I'm going to share mine and what my hardship is. This one is still pretty uh, raw and real. It's something I'm still battling. So I am sure that there are women that are listening to this that have uh, dealt with infertility, and so I'm going to kind of go over what that looked like for me. So I have been married to my husband, Ben, for almost five years. It will be in July. I can't believe it's been almost five years. It does not feel like it, but it has been. Uh, I would say about a year into marriage, um, we had briefly talked about children, but really weren't serious about it. It was one of those things where it was like, yeah, like we want to have them, but we also wanted to have the freedom of like doing what 
we wanted to do, like going on trips and uh, spending quality time. And he wasn't, Ben was not full on being a UPS driver at that point. He was still preloading. So we were still enjoying like a lot more uh, time together before that got hectic. So during that time, I would say the year mark, we weren't using any kind of protection. And so I didn't really think much of it. I was just like, well, it'll happen when it happens. And we had talked about family planning, but I never was serious about it. So in that time frame, I think it was probably, I don't know, maybe like six months into that first year that I noticed I started developing like pregnancy symptoms and so I was like oh this is interesting didn't really think much of it uh, did not get a positive or anything like that but I started showing some weird signs and it just was really really strange um, I did go to the doctor we draw we drew some blood everything came back normal she's like no you're not pregnant and I was like okay whatever well this is the first time so I didn't really think anything of it. I thought oh this is just a weird period so again, probably another three months goes by and I get the same weird symptoms again. Did not get a positive, but this time I found some very uh, interesting things in my toilet. And I'm not gonna explain what that looked like because it could be a little gr gruesome to some people, but let's just say that I was kind of in shock is the best way to put it. And I thought, oh my gosh, I think I just went through my first miscarriage. Um, and I think at that point, I was kind of confused because I was like, wow, like we did everything right. You know, like I um, did not sleep with anyone until I got married to Ben. Um, you know, it's not sinful to kiss anyone, but I saved my first kiss for uh, my wedding day. And so I was just connecting all the dots of like, God, I did everything that you asked us to do why did this happen? I'm confused. So I kind of sat with that and didn't really think um, too hard about it. And I went on about my life. I just kept going. So after um, another six, seven months goes by, the same symptoms happen again. And so that was really frustrating to me because I was like, here we go again. Like, I don't get it. Um, I don't think I actually miscarried this time. Uh, around or at that time I think it was uh, just a weird period but it, at that point I figured something's not right so I went to the doctor sometime that year so it would have been in like 2019 to 2020 somewhere in there I started having regular blood draws just to see what everything looked like well I got diagnosed with PCOS so with that um, it's very hard to get pregnant um, they said my LH uh, like hormone was way off the charts. It was not where it was supposed to be. So they diagnosed me with PCOS. I'm not going to go into detail what that looks like because there's five different types of PCOS and everything looks different. But let's just say that I did not have cysts growing on my ovaries. We did. We checked everything. Everything looked fine. So again, went on about my life and kept doing uh, just normal everyday life. So I still was not on any kind of birth control, nothing. Uh, and 
things just kept happening over and over and over and I just felt super defeated and I just kept thinking am I ever gonna have kids like we just you know weren't thinking much of it and it'd be like oh I missed my period now I'm a week late now what and it was just an ongoing cycle so the pain that it caused me was very high uh, I found myself very triggered all the time through finding out people that are pregnant around me or um, I'd be walking in a grocery store and I'd see someone pregnant and I would be like dang I wish that was me or you know just the little tiny things it just they all just kept triggering me and it was very frustrating uh, it kind of sent me into um, a downward spiral and I went through a really rough year of honestly just wanting to give up altogether. I didn't understand it. And, you know, with Ben, he was super supportive, but because it wasn't happening to his body, he didn't get it. Mm -hmm. He was just like, well, I'm here for you. I love you. We're going to pray through this. But there's really nothing he can do, you know? And so this was before I started seeing a naturopathic doctor. Um, I was seeing, like, regular OBGYNs and eventually I did find a um, naturopathic doctor that diagnosed me with PCOS uh, but everything was just hard like going to appointments or whatever it just was all very triggering and then I would say the most triggering thing of all is when the cycle kept happening of like you missed your period you have all these symptoms you're not pregnant and your brain's like well, maybe you are, and it's like, but I know I'm not, and so you have to go take that test, and when that test comes back negative, it's just a traumatic event all over again, and I feel like I can't get out of it. So for a long time, it kept going on. What, now we're in almost five years of doing this? It got to a point where I was just like, I'm not, so I'd miss a period for two months, and everyone's like, you need to check, you need to check, you need to check, make sure you're not. And I would do it and I would regret it every single time because I knew my body. I knew I wasn't, but my brain wanted to think I was, but deep down I knew I wasn't. Um, and there are people that say, like, you just know when you're pregnant. Mm. And I never got that. Never got that. And so that was very, very traumatizing for me. Um, so through that pain, I did, I did some good things and I did some bad things. I, the, the bad things I did was, um, you know, watching people's social media and getting triggered by that and like re, you know, re going through the whole cycle again. Um, I would avoid eating when I was triggered. I would try every, like, I wouldn't say hormone, but like every, like natural thing possible to like help quote-unquote, help my body get pregnant. Mm -hmm. um, I was basically trying to bite through the bullet to get pregnant some way, shape, or form. And I never knew when I was ovulating, and that was really difficult. I took tests for that. That didn't help me. Uh, so it was just like I was just trying so hard. I feel like I was basically trying to be God and trying mm -hmm. to be like, well, I'm going to get pregnant on this term. And it just was not good. Um, it was so horrific for me, but the good things were is when I would 
find myself super, super lonely at the end of my rope and all the other things that I tried to fix, quote unquote, wasn't working, I knew that I had to fall on God. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was a lot of just spending time in his word. I did sometimes isolate myself and like in a good way, but like try to stay away from all distractions possible, only connected to people that I knew that were good for me, that I knew that could encourage me and be there for me. Um, And that did help lots of worship music in my word and just trying my best. Literally, it was moment by moment, day by day that I just kept having to hold on. So that's what I did when things got out of control for me. Um, what have I learned through infertility is that, you know, you can have these big dreams and desires, but they're not always going to happen when you think they're going to happen. You know, like the big American dream is what you get married, you have a family, and then you find a house, you get a car, you go on vacations and so on and so forth. Right. But that's not always the case. And we do not get to decide when we are going to have these sad big events happen and happen to our lives. That is up to God. He is the one that ultimately says, you're going to have a baby at this time, or you're going to get married at this time, and you're going to find a house at this time in your life or whatever. And we sometimes like to control that because we're trying to get to the big next moment per se, Mm -hmm. um, quote unquote. And that's not, that's not feasible. That is not how God wants it to be. He wants us to lean on him. And if we were ultimately deciding to like where we were going to be in life, why would we need Jesus to begin with? Right? Like we're supposed to be relying on him in everything we do. And so that is something that I have really learned and still learning today. Like there have been moments where I do really well. And then there are moments where it's just hard. You know, you get into this spiral in your head and you're just like, will it ever happen? The question that gets played in my head over and over again, will I ever be a mom one day? That's the thing that constantly plays in my head. And, um, over this past weekend, no, not, not this weekend. I think a couple weekends ago, I went on a women's retreat and there was this piece of piece of paper that we had to write down or they asked us to three things that we would basically quote unquote surrender to the Lord. And that was something that I had to surrender. I was like, God, like I want to be a mom. And like we put it on a piece of paper and we crumbled it up and then we burned it at the fire pit in front of everybody. Nobody knew what we wrote down, but it was basically a way to say, I'm surrendering this to you, Lord. And um, I remember writing it down and getting ready to write it, walk to the fire. And a part of me didn't want to burn it mm-hmm. because of control. Mm-hmm. But I knew as soon as I walked up there and let it go, I, I felt peace all over again. And so that's something I'm reminding myself is just constantly just letting it go. It'll happen. I don't know how it will happen. I don't know where, what it will be, but... We're just going to keep trusting, you know? So that is something that I am currently working through, but it's getting better. I would say each day, each day I'm like, okay, God, like whatever you want me to do, you know, just keep trusting him. So how am I helping myself now, even though I'm still going through this battle? I would say 
not scrolling on social media as much and swirling myself out. I am also not allowing the enemy to run rampant with my thoughts. I'm trying to bring it to the cross immediately and I'm trying to pray through it. I'm trying to talk to people that I knew would be super encouraging who will lift me up and um, trying to stay in his word is really big. Um, one thing I find that's helpful is getting into a regular workout routine for myself because it kind of helps me like unload all the baggage that I carry in my mind. I'm able to kind of let it go when I'm working out because I'm moving my body, I feel great, and I feel kind of refreshed all over again. So it's been very, very helpful. Um, I still dream to this day what it would be like to be pregnant and what it'll look like when we have a family one day. Um, I'm still hoping and still dreaming and you know I have a really big support system all the way around and I'm very grateful for that um, and I'm hoping that that will um, happen one day. And Mentally, where I'm at is that it'll happen when God says it'll happen, but there are still moments that I still feel like I can be hopeless, but when I allow the Lord to come in, He replaces that hopelessness with hope and kind of just being content in the world that I'm in right now with my two dogs, my two horses, my kitty cat, and my husband and family. Like that's all I need to be content with right now. Mm -hmm. And working on this podcast has also been huge for me. Uh, and so I just want to encourage anyone who has gone through infertility that I hear you, I see you, I know what it's like, and don't give up. Like whatever... It is that you're struggling with when it comes to infertility, try your best to go to the Lord and try to surrender, even if it's just a piece, piece by piece, moment by moment, day by day. And I promise you that if he is placed on your heart that you will have children, it's going to happen. And I know for a fact he has placed it on my heart um, to have kids one day. Yeah, when I first met you, I think you were taking like, let's see, like ovulation sticks. Yeah. And I was just thinking about that when you were talking because I was trying to figure out at what point of the story did I enter your life. <laughs> um, and since I have never gone through anything like that and I don't have really anybody close to me um, that I've been like super close to and like know all the details about it's been hard for me as a friend to know what to say as well, since you mentioned that earlier about my divorce. I think that it's really cool that God gently like shows us. Um, for me, I was idolizing marriage. Like you said, um, what you said about the American dream and like just go going with that next step in your life. Before I was married, I totally thought that my next step was just to do that. So I definitely idolized it and I was not thinking about like, well, if I didn't get married, like, would I be okay? Like, would I be content? And the Bible asks us to be content and have joy and, um, you know, serve him and him alone. And when, unfortunately, when we put things before God and 
especially desires before God, it can get really messy. So I'm really thankful that God's gently shown us in our life um, that he is the number one and that he does give us desires of our heart and we um, just have to be okay with his timing and eventually, hopefully, that when it happens, you'll know why it didn't happen during the time that you wanted it to. Yep. Um, I kind of joke with Taylor that um, it hasn't happened because I'm not married again and we're going to have kids at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that would be so freaking fun. And then we both want to um, homeschool our kids, so we would homeschool them together. But yeah, so that's, that's even just like one example of what could possibly happen. Um, yeah, but yeah, thanks for sharing friend. We wanted to specifically use this episode. I mean, every episode we do this, but, um, this episode we wanted to solely speak, um, the light and truth of Christ while also reminding you that you're not alone in your hardships. And like you just experienced, we also struggle with hardships and have some practical tools that, have helped us in the past, um, even in the midst of testing trials and all the tribulations. Um, there's so many words for this, for this one thing. (laughs) Yeah. So we would like to share a few verses from the book of John. And John 14, Jesus is comforting his disciples. John 14, 27, please, please. (laughs) peace I leave you my peace I give you I do not give to you as the world gives do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid and John 16 Jesus is reassuring that his disciples will mourn but their weeping will turn to joy John 16 33 he said these things to you that in me you may have peace in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart for I have overcome the world. Mm. So Jesus is warning us in this verse that we will have trials in this lifetime. He does not sugarcoat it. He does not give his, um, his followers false thoughts about life that it's going to be all fine and dandy because it's not. Um, but we can find peace in Jesus's presence and hope for better because Jesus has overcome death to give us life with him. But we can only have that peace when we have fellowship with him. Um, being a Christian isn't just like buying a ticket and then earning all the benefits. Like you have to, um, not have to, but you get to, my pastor said that this past Sunday, Mm. um, you know have to, you get to, um, fellowship with Christ and have that relationship. It's not about religion. It's about relationship and you're not going to get the benefits, um, of living a life with Christ if you're not actually living it with him, Mm. um, and including him in your life. That's good. That's really good. I actually don't think I've heard that analogy and I thought that was really good. 
So believe it or not, when we become a follower of Jesus, life does not automatically become rainbows and butterflies. Oh, so I wish, but that does not work that yeah, way. you love butterflies. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yes, yes. I have three, no, four butterflies tattooed on my body, actually. <laughs> uh, that would be a shock to some people that know me. <laughs> Christians also face the same trials that everyone else faces. But instead of being in the fire alone, Jesus stands in the fire with us. Oh, I'm so grateful for that. That is such like so powerful to even think of that it reminds me of the three men that were in the fire and which i can never remember their names meshach (laughs) yes something and bendigo (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm horrible (laughs) but that's the first thing that popped into my mind um which i thought was really cool yeah he's not just like okay good luck nope and he's like, okay, I see that you're struggling. I'm going to struggle with you, and mm-hmm. but we're going to figure this out together. He's yeah. not like, oh, I'm going to throw a bunch of instructions in your face and have you figure it out. It's, okay, let's take this moment by moment together. Mm-hmm. He carries our burden, but yes. only if we let him. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Haven't we learned that the hard way? Oh, yes. <laughs> in Matthew 16, Jesus tells us, tells his disciples that following him will not be easy, that they would be persecuted for righteousness sake. Oh, there are so many stories in the Bible about people getting persecuted. And even right now, like Christians are being persecuted for loving Jesus, for reading the Bible. Like what a gift and a privilege it is for us to be able to be at his feet and not worry about someone coming in with a, mm-hmm. a gun at our heads or, um, you know, burning buildings or burning your house down and I it's just it's so sad that we live in a such a corrupt world that that happens Mm -hmm. and we take that for granted especially as Americans we don't realize what kind of what gift we have for that and like what a gift it is that we can not only have that for ourselves, but me and you can have this podcast and literally speak the name of Jesus. Amen. And the only thing that's going to happen are the trolls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm but sure they'll come flying in at we'll some point. We'll love them anyways. Yeah. And <laughs> just, yeah. So we honestly do not... We take it for granted so much as Americans. Yeah. Um, But I didn't think about how this podcast and how we use our social media to um, talk about Jesus all the time. Yes, I know. And it's such an amazing gift that we don't appreciate often enough. Yeah. Like social media is a blessing, but it also can be a curse. But in this aspect, it is such a blessing because we get to pour into others with, um, through, or Jesus is going to use us in such a mighty way to speak into others. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not us, it's him, but like without social media and without a platform to do it on, this would not happen. Yeah. You know, we'd have to like write letters and send them by doves. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's funny. (laughs) Anyways. So Taylor Is the peace that Jesus offers always instantaneous and easy? I wish it was. (laughs) 
I wish it was, but no, it is not always easy, but sometimes it is an overwhelming sense of peace. And other times it's a moment by moment choice that we have to continuously make. And, you know, sometimes those moments, like when you're having to choose to, um, like trust the Lord and wait for his peace to like come upon you. Gosh, it is a long waiting game. I Mm. feel like sometimes like you're sitting there praying like, Lord, I need your peace. I need your comfort. I need this. And you're like, where is it? Like, where did it go? You know, but like, I also feel like we have sometimes have so much distractions going in our Mm -hmm. minds that if we don't quiet those distractions, how can he come in and talk? You know, and I'm not saying like maybe you're doing something to cause it, but it could be maybe you're super distracted on your phone and you're trying to look for that quote unquote peace or Mm. maybe you're just running yourself, you know, to the ground by doing other things instead of taking a moment and asking him to give you peace. So no, in a short uh, synopsis, it is not instantaneously all the time does it happen absolutely yeah but sometimes it's just the supernatural piece yes and it's it's just there like it's it's not there one second and then the next second it's there and you're just like okay i'm good i got this yes and it feels super um what's the word it is so hard to describe it sometimes you i think you've described it before as it's like a waterfall rushing over you. Oh, yes. That's one way to describe it. Yes, Mm -hmm. it is. And it's like, how can I have so much peace over a specific scenario that I'm dealing with? You know, Um, for instance, like I was talking about infertility, there are moments where I have such a wave of peace that the average person that doesn't know Jesus would think, they would think that I'd be so upset, so angry as to why we can't have children. Mm -hmm. But there have been many moments where I'm just like, nope, everything's fine. God says that eventually he will give them to me and I just need to be content where I'm at and not have to worry about it. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of similar when I was in the throes of the divorce stuff. There was moments where I was a mess and I was sobbing and crying, but then there was other moments where you're like, I don't know how you're doing this. And I'm like, I'm not. God is like, yeah, there were times where I would just go days without not without worrying about it and without thinking about it and without trying to make plans or trying to think about my future. And then, you know, you get in the cycle, you start to focus less on God and more on other things or yourself and what you want and Um, You start to lose sight of his, you know, it's almost like when Peter was um, walking on the water towards Jesus and he had his eyes locked on him. He was good. He was walking on water. He was good. But then the moment he took his eyes off of Jesus, the moment he broke his gaze, he started looking at all of the waters and the wind, um in the waves and he started to sink Mm -hmm. and I feel like that is a picture that I come back to time and time and time and time again um and it just reminds me to fix my gaze back on Jesus and yeah I just I just love that picture Mm. yeah so sometimes it's a holy spirit 
like overwhelming feeling of peace. And sometimes it's something that you have to choose and keep praying for. Do you feel like maybe when, if you, if someone is constantly just saying like, God, I need your peace. I need your peace. And they're not feeling it. Do you feel like we need to renounce like lies and renounce anything that the devil is doing to hinder us from feeling that peace? Yeah, I do believe that sometimes that can happen. I remember there was a period of my time where in my life where that has happened and I didn't understand why. And the Lord was like, well, you have this unresolved sin that you have yet to deal with. And I have kept pressing on your heart to remove Mm. and let me come in and remove it for you, but you are choosing to hold on to it and feeling guilty or whatever, what is happening in my Mm -hmm. life. And once I was able to, to like say, okay, God, I'm sorry. I felt a huge wave of peace Mm -hmm. or how do you feel about it? Do you have a different perspective? No, I agree. I've definitely experienced, um, the overwhelming peace after, um, repenting to somebody that he asked me to repent to. Mm, like if, if he has shown me like, Hey, you need to apologize to this person and make it right. Mm. Even if, even if you guys are both fine, like if there's something that he's placed on your heart that you need to repent for that you, that he showed you is wrong, you need to do it. Like the Bible yeah. says, um, before coming, this was in the old Testament when they used to do sacrifices, but He would say, he says that before offering a sacrifice, you need to go to your brother and repent to him um, and then come back and do your, like he places that as such a high value. I'm assuming because of having that right relationship with God and with others and making sure that you're not um, causing any strife or there's any unresolved sin before approaching the throne of God. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So I know that I have had some very weighty stuff come off my shoulders after doing that. Um, so that is a very good example. Oh, I can't even tell you how many times that I have searched for God's peace in something like, for example, if like you were saying that sometimes we're praying for peace, we're praying for peace and we're distracted by our phones or we're looking for whatever. I can't tell you how many times I've searched for God's peace just in like looking up verses or devotionals about the specific thing that I'm going through. And that's great. I don't think that's a bad thing to do, but if you're searching for God's peace and stuff specifically just in that place or in that way, like we can't put God in a box, you know, Mm -hmm. and he's going to show us and give us his peace, whatever it looks like. It doesn't always look the same. That's why you can't always expect that it's going to happen or that you're going to get peace in the same way every time because it won't look the same every time and it's always different um yeah we can't expect god to do what he's always done yeah (laughs) because he is i was gonna say he's a crazy god but (laughs) he just he 
he's a very out of the box thinker because he knows our whole life. So he knows what we need. And yeah, it's just wild. I can't wrap my brain around it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So we wanted to kind of break down what or why Christians might suffer specifically. Um, one thing is sometimes good things happen to non-Christians and we're wondering why they got the blessings and we didn't. Um, however, non-Christians are focused on building up their riches on earth um, while Christians are building their riches in heaven. They might experience temporary prosperity or blessings, but long term, choosing to serve God will eternally be worth it for believers. And that's why we can be okay with, um, with celebrating non-Christians or even Christians getting things that we might be longing for. Um, like they might get win the lottery or something and we might be like, what God? Like, like imagine you're a missionary in Sudan or something (laughs) and you have no money and you're trying to do the Lord's work. And then you see that someone back home in the U S is a non-believer and they just won the lottery. And you're like, God, what? Like, come on. Like I'm doing your work. Why, 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 why them? And why couldn't I get that? So, um, hopefully that's a good analogy. (laughs) Um, but in Psalm 73, Asaph learned this and realized that sometimes selfish, godless people might seem more prosperous in the short term. So, um, that's a good thing to think of. Um, and keep in mind. Yeah, another reason why we might suffer is when others are in power and and others have to suffer under them. It talks a little bit more about it in Ecclesiastes 8-9, if you wanted to go check that out. And then sometimes people suffer because of the actions of others. Sometimes people's choices are direct or indirect influences of Satan. God always gives us a choice and sometimes people make bad choices that cause others harm or causes them to suffer. Other times the devil directly influences someone to do something and causes harm and suffering to others. I've experienced both sides. Yeah. So, and I... I assume that everybody has experienced that from both sides, but from experience, it's sometimes hard to like decipher which is which sometimes in my own brain, you know, is it from the Lord or no, is it from the Lord? Is it from the enemy that's causing this afflicting pain or whatever, or is it because somebody did something to us? Yeah, because um, everybody has a choice and God gives us all free will. Yeah. So, yeah, when Taylor and I were talking about this, this just idea that, well, is everything bad from the devil or are people just sometimes bad? <laughs> um, it was a crazy conversation because it's hard to wrap your mind around it. Um, 
like I just said, but yeah, like for example, I think of our president. He is in a place of power over us and he causes us to, I'm not going to call it suffering because like first world problems, like, oh, our gas is so expensive. (laughs) I'm, (laughs) I know I'm guilty of complaining about, of, of that, but it is truly a first world problem. Like, but I'm just using him as as an example because he is in a place of power and does affect us. Or our governor also affects us as well. Don't get me started. Um, Yeah, we're not going to get all politician (laughs) on you, but that was just my my first thought when it comes to that. But then also other people like my ex that made a choice to break his vow to myself and to God and to break the marriage covenant Mm -hmm. that caused intense, not intense. Yeah, I guess intense. It caused very deep harm on me. And I think that's why God hates divorce is because it causes so much heartache and heartbreak and all of the above. Um, so sometimes it is a direct influence of Satan and, you know, we know that everything bad comes from Satan, but people also have choices and yeah, so it's really hard. And I told Taylor that I have so many questions when I get to heaven. Yeah. <laughs> you and me both. Other reasons why we suffer might be because the effect of our choices, like I just said. Galatians 6, 7 through 8 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Another reason why people might experience hardship is specifically Christians because we're just going to be um, targeted because we are Christians. Um, Fortunately, in the U.S., it's not as hard um, compared to Eastern countries or, you know, persecuted countries. Um, But Jesus tells us in the Bible that we're going to be persecuted. And he warns his disciples about that in Matthew 24, 9 through 14 says, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Oh man, that's deep. Mm-hmm. Like, I got chills just <laughs> reading that. Yeah, that's definitely some revelation stuff, but um, he, yeah, he definitely, I'm so thankful that Jesus didn't give us false expectations that like, oh, everyone's going to love you. But like, no, we're also going to be hated because of Jesus. And 
it's so crazy because I have had so many nightmares of, I don't, I've told you about these nightmares before. I haven't had them in a long time, but I've had so many nightmares of, um, of like this being, whether he's like a tiger or a snake, it usually bounces back, back and forth between a tiger and a snake. Um, but he tries to get me to like hurt my family or, you know, renounce that I'm not a Christian. So it's mm. intense. It's real. Like this is not some fairy tale. Like it's hard to think about, like I've thought about before. I'm like, if I was in the Middle East or if somebody came to my home and asked me if I was a follower of Christ, would I say yes or would I say no? Yeah. It's a scary thing to think about. Mm-hmm. So Satan has it out for all Christians because he wants them to renounce God and not have faith in him. Satan knows that unbelievers are already on the path of sin and death. So he has it out for Christians because he wants to win the fight against God. Satan has always hated God being the best. In heaven, when Satan was an angel, he developed pride, vanity, greed, selfishness, and self-exaltation. That is why God threw him out of the heaven a lot up threw him out of heaven along with a third of the angels that followed Satan because Satan turned evil. So if Satan can get more people to follow him, then he will be quote unquote better than God. You can read more about Satan and who he really is in Isaiah and Revelation. It's really crazy to think that he was in heaven and Mm -hmm. that he was worshiping the Lord along with all the other angels. And then he was like, psych, I'm better than you. I'm out. Mm -hmm. Like, you're going to get kicked out. And the Lord was like, wait, 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 what's going on here? No, no, no. I reign over you. Mm -hmm. And so he was like, sayonara, you're out. Yeah, (laughs) I don't like I don't want to to think too much or like focus too much of attention on Satan because he's not worth it. But I have so many questions for God. I like like why was he even in heaven to begin with? Like, who is this guy who let him in? (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. And it's like, why is it him out of all the millions of angels that were up there? And God knows everything. So did God know that Satan was going to, like, turn? And I'm pretty sure before his name was Satan, he had a different name in heaven. I'm pretty sure when he turned evil, God was like, I'm changing your name. Oh, it was Lucifer at one point. Yeah, he has many names, though. But but when we were reading um, and... A website when we were like prepping for this podcast, we were reading a website and um, we're also reading in um, Isaiah and Revelation. Yeah. But it called him like a different name that started with an H and I don't really remember what it was. Helam or something? It was like. (laughs) I don't know. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. That was so weird. Yeah. Like, was that his his name before? Because oh, I know that God, you know, when God gives you a new heart, he gives you a new name. And in heaven, we're going to have different names and yeah. all of that and the other. But I'm like, so it was the opposite for Satan because he went evil. 
<laughs> Satan went rogue and God was like, no, I'm tired of you. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then he kicked, he kicked him to the wolves and then put him into the earth to torture us. Yeah. I mean, not to torture us, but yes, he like sent, he was sent to, to the earth. Yeah, basically. I mean, yeah, not exactly like torture, but basically one of the reasons why we suffer is because he lives here. Yeah. Like he was in, he was on earth. That's why he was on earth when, um, Adam and Eve were coexisting together. It's because he was on earth because he wasn't allowed in heaven anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Crazy, crazy. So with that being said, we can take hope in God's everlasting word because Romans 8, 28, 31, 37 through 39 says in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. If God is for us, who can be against us? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Mm. Amen. I feel like that needs a mic drop. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall be neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away revelation 21 3 a freaking men (laughs) can't wait for that day oh um some followers of god in the bible that had incredible hardships are peter no paul (laughs) david job and moses if you would like to go read about their lives for yourself, we would highly recommend it. Actually, thinking about it, too, Peter did have some hardships. He, uh, my man Peter. That's true. I just know that Denied we, Jesus. Oh, oh, that's true. We just, I don't think we were specifically yeah. saying him. I, maybe the Lord wanted me to say Peter. I don't know, but it literally yeah. came to my head. Like, I have secondhand, secondhand embarrassment with Peter, but also I'm a sinner. Who am I to speak? Mm. <laughs> but I'm sure his heart was just wrecked. Oh, after, I bet. I mean, yeah, it's, it's very sad. Very sad for sure. So our key takeaways <laughs> from this episode are through the highs and lows. There's nothing that is too big for God. He is in control He loves us with all his being. We can take refuge in heart knowing that God is with us in the, in the fire and we can put our hope and faith in him and he will deliver us. Amen. Mm. So So that's it for today, friends. I can't believe this is the end of our episode three. Yay, we did it. Oh my gosh, you guys, this past episode was like, so frustrating but you know it was really cool that god kind of prompted on laura's heart to try again with technical difficulties to see if it would upload Mm -hmm. and there were some issues going on with the audio but you know what it worked and so we were able to sit down today and 
record mm-hmm. after our really fun photo shoot, which I can't wait to see how these pictures turn out. <laughs> yes, our second um, little shoot with Jillian. So great. Yeah. We love her. Yeah, she's super. And it'll be really fun to have some more pictures for the gram. But anyways... I hope you guys enjoyed this. I hope this was super encouraging and we'll catch you all in the next one. Yeah. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. Thanks for being here, friend. We hope that this episode was encouraging to you. And if it was, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast, leave a rating and review. Go follow our Instagram at a safe place podcast and comment on our pinned posts what topics you would like to hear about. If this episode brought someone to your mind, go ahead and hit the share button and send it to them because you don't know what battle they are going through. We would be over the moon excited if you join us for our next episode. Psalm 91.2 says, This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. So grow in grace and keep the faith, friends.